Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. Hey, who's ready to grow? Come on. You know what? This message will probably be one of the most beneficial messages you will ever hear. It's a big call, isn't it? You can tell me after whether or not I'm right. One of the most beneficial messages you will ever hear. How cool is that? I'm really challenged by uh, last week, Pastor Caleb preached a message on the journey. You know, the Christian life is a, it's not an event, it's a journey. It's a journey that, you know, will last your whole life. And to me, the goal of Christianity is to live a life that fulfills a purpose that within that journey you build something of worth. If you want to put it in a little caption, that's pretty much how I see it because I know that the Christian life's the best life you'll ever live. It is absolutely the best life you'll ever live and, and that life becomes your testimony. That light becomes your light unto the darkness. That's how it works. You know, I was, uh, um, I was thinking last night, and um, this is a freebie, not part of my message, but I was thinking about the parable of the talents, right? And many of you would know the parable of the talents. Uh, the master came and gave his servants one five talents, one three talents, one one talent. And the, the guy with the five and the guy with the three, they multiplied that, they brought increase, they doubled it, but the guy with the one talent, he just sat on it. And I thought, imagine if we changed the name talent and we named it the parable of opportunity. The parable of opportunity. All the master did was gave them opportunity. The guy with the five, well, that was his opportunity and, and he increased it. The guy with the three, that was his opportunity and he increased it. The guy with the one didn't take the opportunity and it didn't work out well. And for me, salvation, the Christian life, is the opportunity that God gives us for increase, for development, to grow stronger and stronger, to be a light where they put it on a, a lampstand, not under a bowl, a, a city on a hill that can't be hidden. Look at this scripture in Matthew 5, 14, 16. It says, you are the light of the world. That's you. A town on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. See, the word Christian simply means Christ-like. That's what it means, Christ-like. It means, uh, uh, you know, to be like Christ. It means a reflection. We reflect who Christ is to the world. And that becomes our journey. That becomes our journey that we'll be on until eternity. Simple as that. My mission, my lifetime goal is from this point right now, right now, 
is to identify and to capture and to destroy any area of my life that hinders that journey. Are you with me? That's, that's my mission. That's my responsibility. You know, I'm going to sing in the midst of the storm. Didn't say I'm going to sit on my talent and let Jesus fix it. Said I'm going to sing in the middle of a storm. That's my decision. I'm going to take hold of my opportunity and bring increase that will be a light, a testimony to the world that they will envy you because of the life you live. That's powerful, isn't it? So I'll have two of those, thanks. I'll have double. One of the biggest hindrances to my journey is something that the Bible calls sin. Now, don't tune out on me now because, everyone, that's a horrible word. Like, no, it's in the Bible. It's, it's, it, to me, sin is like a cancer cell. Now, I remember from the cancer journey that I did that, you know, I think everyone's got cancer cells in their body somewhere. And they're not a problem. You can live with those your whole life. The problem comes when they begin to multiply, when they begin to grow, when they begin to get bigger. Then you've got to have an operation or you've got to remove them. Why? To save the body. Is that fair? Well, I look at sin in the same context. You know, we've all got sin in our life. We were born with it. It's a, it's a fallen nature that we were all born with, right? And that's kind of not a problem until that area begins to multiply. That area begins to grow. That area begins to increase and it needs to be cut out for the salvation of the whole body. Does that make sense? Yeah? Does that explain that all right? Let's look at John chapter 8. Verse 1 to 11, I love this story in Scripture. There's a bit of debate about the original context of it, but it's a great message. It says then from verse 8 of chapter uh, of John, sorry, is that John or what did I say? Did I say John? All right, just keep me honest. Then they all went home, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. And Jesus straightened up and asked her woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. 
Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. It's a good story, isn't it? It's a good story. Three things that we can learn out of this, this progression to first to identify that area of weakness in our life. That area that's going to, if we don't deal with it, it's going to grow and it's going to cause us damage. I mean, this has got to be the best comeback in history, right? There's this angry crowd. They've got this poor defenceless woman, you know, that they want, you know, they want blood. They're out together and, and Jesus comes up with this one-liner and just disperses the crowd. What if Jesus had said, well, you know what, that's the law and, and uh, you know, we've got to obey the law so you better take her out and stone her. That would have been a terrible death for this woman. And I thought how quick they were to judge, convict and execute this girl without a single thought about their own state of wholeness. And then I thought, Gee, how quick am I to do the same thing? If only I was as quick to identify sin or weakness in my own life as I am to judge it in others. That's a challenge, isn't it? Jesus taught the people in, like this in, 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 in Matthew 7.3. He said, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? And then in verse 5, he said, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. See, for us to move forward on this journey of salvation, we need to identify the weakness in our own life. Amen? Not fall into the trap of, of deflecting that continually to everyone else in our world and try and take the attention off ourselves. No, this is our journey. This is our walk. This is our salvation. I'm going to sing in the midst of the storm. Amen? And so I have an opportunity that God has given me to look at my life and go, okay, what, what is that area of weakness? What is that thing that just, just cripples me every time, that knocks me down, that pulls me back, that keeps me small and stops me from growing in that opportunity that God has given me? I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to identify what it is. It could be insecurity, fear. It can be whatever. It doesn't matter. But to personally identify, okay, that's my weakness. Let me ask you this question. What weakness are you working on today? It's a good question, isn't it? Because I've found in my life, I never give that a thought. <laughs> I mean, I, I can see weaknesses in other people every day of the week. But if I'm honest, I really give me a pass. Is that fair? I do. I give me a pass. 
Because I've got to fix all you up. No, 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 much better. I say, okay, Byron, you handsome critter. What's the area of weakness you can deal with today? How can you overcome that sucker and live free, live whole, live strong, live fruitful? Amen? That's a, that's a good day. One thing I constantly work on is, for me, you know, confession time. I work on, on trying not to get angry at golf. Because I get so frustrated. I'm a much better golfer than, than what I play. You with me? I'm much better than that. And it frustrates me and I tend to get a bit angry and I'm constantly talking to myself. I say, Byron, if you deal with this or you don't play. And then I hear this other voice. Yes, yes, Anne. <laughs> you know. Yes, darling. Because that's one of my weaknesses. Now, if I don't overcome that, I've played with guys far worse than me, and I've got to tell you, it's, it's not pretty. I remember playing one day with a, a guy who will remain nameless, Christian believer. And, uh, and, of course, it was just him and me. And, and in golf, you get a foursome, so they put two people with you that you don't know. And, and so you play the round together. You get to meet these guys, and it's good. Anyway, my friend, who will remain nameless, wasn't having a good day. And so every hole. So come up to, like, the first nine holes. I mean, he's thrown clubs. He has, you know used every expletive known to man, we get to the 10th hole. And on the 10th hole, there's an out of bounds on the right, and he's hit this ball, and it's gone, it's sliced out into the out of bounds, right? And he's, he's lost it. He has lost it. Go on, get out there, go on, off you go. Sees up another ball, hits it out there, out of bounds, yeah, yeah, that'll be right, that'll be right, out you go, whatever. Absolutely went off the tree. I'm even a little embarrassed. The two guys that were playing with us, who we did not know, walked off. They walked off, they just stopped playing, went to the car. And I thought at that moment, I thought, how would it fly if I ran to the car park and told them about Jesus. Hearing me? See, I'm going to sing in the middle of that storm. And no one else can do that for me. The story told in golf where, where a bloke gets, has a day like that and such a bad day and he grabs his clubs and he walks over to the dam beside the green and he throws his clubs and everything in the dam. And storms off to his car. Only to come back five minutes later, hop into the dam, grabbed his clubs, took out his car keys, <laughs> threw the clubs back and then off to the car. 
I'll tell you, golf will do it to you. But that's my little area. And I constantly, constantly talk to myself and say, Byron, keep your mouth shut. Keep your mouth shut. Amen? Why? Because I identify that's a problem with me, and it's not going to own me. I'm going to own it. See, the second thing we see here is that you capture it. You identify what that area of weakness is in your life, and you take it captive. You capture it. Verse 9, it says here, At this, those who began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Listen to this. Still standing there. All the accusers had gone. If this girl was looking for an easy way out, this was her exit. If she was like, you know, I mean, Jesus would have known her heart and we know that she wasn't an evil woman. Why? Because she's still standing there. An evil woman would have got out of there as quick as she could. An evil woman would have said, ha ha, suckers. I'm out of here. I got away with it. I'm debt free. I'm I'm out of here. I'm scot free. No, no, she's still standing there. Why? Because she owned it. She took that weakness captive and was prepared to deal with it. Paul teaches in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, he said, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take it captive. Say it with me. We take it captive. Every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Why? Because we're in charge. That weakness doesn't control us. We control it. We're in charge. I'm going to sing in the midst of that storm. Why? Because I'm in charge. I've taken this thing captive. I'm not the capped or capped if. Is that right? I'm the capped or. Is that right? Oh, forget it. I know. You get my meaning. But see, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is, this is the, the essential core value of Christ-likeness, is that we identify that weakness and take it captive. We arrest it. We hold it up to the image of Christ and say, sucker, you don't survive. Gone. You can't last. I mean, have you ever made a dumb mistake? I have, a bad choice, bad decision, said the wrong thing, and, and immediately after you said it, you know there's this conviction that comes on your life. You know the best thing you can do at that moment? Own it. Own it. My bad. My bad. And repent. Repent. I'm sorry. I mean, you, I mean, you watch it at the, the footy, you know, when you watch the rugby league and a guy will drop a ball, a guy will cause a penalty. Immediately they walk away, they go, my bad. Immediately they own it, my mistake. Sorry, boys, I've let the team down. I know I'm sorry. Amen? It's the best thing you can do. 
Why? Because if we don't, we hide it and it grows. We hide it and it multiplies. We hide it, we start looking at everyone else to deflect. Amen? You won't grow like that. You'll just exist. You won't grow. You've got to take it captive. I find myself doing that with people all the time, you know, like you say the wrong thing and, and you sort of, you know, I've found it, it's quick to repent is the best method. But, you know, I've also found that with God. I've also found the weakness in my life that I know I've offended God and I'm very quick, very quick to say, sorry, Lord, my bad. My bad, forgive me. Forgive me. I've got to tell you, it does something in your spirit. It does something to your soul. It's good for us. If we're going to do the journey well, then we need to identify our weakness, then take it captive, own it, and then we need to move to step number three, which is the one I like. That's destroy it. Destroy it. Destroy it. Look at verse 11. He said, she, she, she said, no one, sir, neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. I like the other version that says, go now and sin no more. Sin no more. Why? Because it's, it's, it's nip it in the bud. It's deal with it, destroy it, kill the thing. It's over. You no longer have a hold on me. You're no longer damaging my life and the generations that flow from me. You're done with, over, no more. I'm not that person anymore. I used to be, but I've dealt with that weakness. I've identified it, I've taken it captive and I've destroyed it. That's no longer me. You can't put that on me. Amen? That's a good message. That's freedom right there. Why? Because I'm in control. I'm not a victim here. I'm the killer. I'm the destroyer. I'm destroying those things in my life that would one day destroy me if I don't take the opportunity that salvation brings. Come on. I've been pastoring too long. You know I'm telling the truth. Breaks my heart that 20 years we can be a believer and still be nasty. Still be unforgiving. Not kind. Selfish. Demanding. Arrogant. I don't see any of that in Christ. Amen? Amen. Yet Christian means Christ-like. I'm not talking perfection. We're never going to be perfect, okay? But we need to be stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. After 20 years, come on. That's just me anyway. I Destroy it. You'll identify it, capture it and destroy it. Can you imagine how much life better gets? Better gets? How much life gets better? Yeah? With me? It's not the gooderest English, I know. But can you imagine how better life will get if, if we just start with one thing? Then kill that sucker. Then another thing. And kill that sucker. And no one's telling us. No one's dumping on us. No one's condemning us. I'm doing it. 
I'm doing it. Why? Because I, I want to do this journey well. I want to build something that my generations will launch from and go even further than me. Amen? This is a good story. Christianity is a good story. And I'm going to live it. Amen. How painful is it to deal with the same thing over and over? How frustrating is it to play that same shot, thinking you're going to get a different result and, and you, you wreck it every time? How frustrating is it to that thing keeping me small, that weakness holding me back, that, that inferiority keeping me broken on the inside? When the gospel for me is freedom. Christianity for me is an opportunity to be free. Not still bound, broken, defeated, darkness, no. You know that area of weakness better than anybody else. So why are we tolerating it in our lives? See, that's real courage. Real courage is to look at yourself and go, you know what, before that thing rises up and damages my life, I'm going to take you out now. That's courage. Don't wait for the thing to erupt and then, oh, I've got to deal with that and, and, the, and the outfalling of, of what that produces. No, be smart. We're given this opportunity. Say, okay, what's in me? I'm like, you say, Pastor, but we're having a good day at the moment. Yeah, it's just the best time. It's the best time in a good day to go, you know what, what can I fix next? What can I fix next? What can I fix next? No one's pushing you. No one's, you know, controlling it. You are. It's a leaning forward. It's a journey going forward. It's powerful, folks. Destroy those things that hold you back. You know, I learned many years ago that there are no angry old men. There are only angry young men that never deal with it. Is that true? Come on, when we're young, we want to keep an image. You know, we don't want to let those weaknesses show because we're too cool for school. When you get to my age, you don't give a rip. And people think, oh, he's angry. Why is he so angry? He's always been angry. He's just deflected it well. Just blamed everyone else. Amen? Until you get to an age where you just don't care. Pretty lonely place. Pretty lonely place. Because the truth is, if you don't destroy it, it will destroy you. It will destroy you. Or worse, you'll pass it on to the next generation. Be the hero. Be the hero. Destroy it now. Bring liberty to the generations that follow. Listen, last week I was watching the news and I, I saw this well, I, I saw this clip come up on a news bulletin and, and it's a little bit graphic, okay? So if you it's pretty violent, it's a few punches thrown, it's a it's a fight at a at Disneyland, which is a great family venue. And there's a brawl. You you may have seen it on TV, uh, there's a brawl, right? At, at Disneyland, Disney Park, you know, just um, 
Avert your eyes if that, if that really offends you. But I'd, I'd just like to play it and, uh, and then I'll just share a little bit at the end of that. Can I have that up on the screen? This is last week. You're looking at cell phone video of a family brawl that broke out near Mickey's Toontown at Disneyland on Saturday. Call security! You got what you want. What started as an argument turned violent when police say the men in the family hit the women in the same family, knocking more than one woman to the ground in front of toddlers and crying babies. A custodian tried to calm the family down, but they kept fighting. At one point, you can see bystanders who tried to break it up, but it didn't work. The video shows the fight lasted about four and a half minutes. Some question why security didn't respond immediately. A Disneyland spokesperson says security showed up in minutes and immediately called Anaheim police. That's a challenge. The thing that, that amazed me or shocked me the most was that when the LA police were called in to investigate that footage to lay charges, no one would say anything. And the reason no one would say anything is because it's the same family. They're all one family. Are you hearing me? The thing is, I've got to tell you today as, as your friend, it's not going to get any better unless you make it better. Are you hearing me? We sit in circumstance and situation going, oh, it'll get better, it'll get better, it'll get better. No, it won't. But you have an opportunity to make it better. You can make it better. You can change your destiny. You can change your future, the future of generations. You can change that. See, what, you know, I don't know the guy in the red shirt, obviously, but if he had a son there, what's he teaching? This is how you deal with women. Yeah? That boy's going to learn from dad. I look at my own life and think, man, what, what, what have my kids learned from me? I hope it was good. <laughs> but we have an opportunity to make it good. Amen? We can't turn the clock back. What's done is done. But from this day forward, we can start to be the light. Amen? We can be the light that brings light to the whole house. Why? Because we're prepared to identify that weakness, we're prepared to take it captive, and we're prepared to destroy it so that our journey continues. That's, that's salvation, folks. You can't earn salvation, I know that. It's a free gift of God. But that's the Christian journey. In 20 years' time, you won't be that person. You won't be that one destroyed or that one lost or that one still broken and still hurting. No, you'll be that one free, that one strong, that one whole. And you'll be a light for the generations so that they can do it better. Amen? Probably the most beneficial message you'll ever learn, you'll ever hear. But the homework is, the homework is, I've got to sing. 
in the middle of the storm. I've got to stand up and to turn this around. I've got, to, I've got to look inside and find that weakness and say, wait a minute, you don't control me anymore. I take you captive. You are destroyed in my life. I am no longer bound by you. But I'm, Christ will shine through me. Amen? Come on, give the Lord a hand.